2: Previously on Who Killed the Atlantic City Four.
1: There is yet another murder mystery plaguing police. This one out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, where authorities there say they are eyeing several persons of interest in a string of unsolved homicides dating back to 2006.
0: These were ladies who had a particular lifestyle, a lifestyle that uh, caused them to want to live below the radar. Son. Surf. Surf and glittery casinos. That's the image Atlantic City puts out to attract millions of visitors and billions of their dollars. But this is another side of Atlantic City. November 20th, 2006, two people stumbled across the body of Kimberly Raffo. When police arrived, they found three more women's bodies, no more than 50 yards separating them.
1: They worked the Atlantic City boardwalk. They were all found murdered and dumped in marshlands. Those murders remain unsolved. The search for clues continues 12 years after the bodies of four women were found in a West Atlantic City drainage ditch. The bodies of Kim Raffo, Molly Diltz, Barbara bredor and Tracy Roberts were found in the ditch behind the Golden Key Motel, November 20th, 2006. Investigators say the work continues every day to try and bring the people behind their deaths to justice. Anyone with information is asked to call the Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office. Curtis Silver for CBS Philly.
0: This is one of those men, Terry Olson. He and his lawyer, James Leonard, agreed to an interview. Did you murder these four women?
1: I absolutely did not have anything to do with it. This fits the FBI definition of a serial killing.
0: After finding the bodies here, one of the challenges investigators faced was that the elements had dramatically reduced the amount of recoverable evidence in the case.
1: They worked the Atlantic City Boardwalk. They were all found murdered. And dumped in marshlands. Those murders remain unsolved.
0: Everybody counts. Um, you know, every everybody, you know, every person is a child of God, and we, you know, we we view every person, uh, every victim uh, of every crime, particularly you know crimes uh, of violence like this, as as worthy of our best efforts.
1: And anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers at 609-652-1234. Or you can call 1-800-658-8477. That's
2: 1-800-658-TIPS. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Who Killed? A podcast that takes a deep dive into cases you may have heard and others you may have not. On this week's episode, I'll be wrapping up my four-part series on Who Killed? The Atlantic City Four. And I will lay out where the case stands today, the rewards available, and most importantly, I'll give some background on the victims whose families are left waiting for answers. Before I begin, I'd like to first thank Nick from the True Crime Garage podcast for joining me the past two weeks. I hope he brought you guys some insights into the case. He's always a great guest. So let's give a little recap on the case. The bodies of four women were found spaced several feet apart in a span of just over 300 yards, and they were all strangled or asphyxiated. All four women were found face down and barefoot. In the Atlantic City case, detectives didn't have a crime scene. Raffo, Brader, Roberts, and Diltz were all believed to have been killed elsewhere before their bodies had been dumped, leaving precious little evidence to go by. Now authorities have admitted that the water probably washed away any trace evidence, and it would be months before prosecutors acknowledged the fact that at the beginning these cases were not connected to one person. Now in a NewJersey.com article, an anonymous police officer provided some insight into the investigation, where he said there was DNA found under the fingernails of Kim Raffo. Now, it could have been from incidental contact and not connected to her death, but the DNA did not match anyone in law enforcement databases. In another misstep, the official said the investigation did not immediately include veteran Atlantic City vice officers because the women were found in Egg Harbor Township. Those officers. Would have been very familiar with the streetwalkers and could have provided significant insight into their work and the contacts that they would have had on the streets. The task force of detectives spent months, years, and I don't know how many hours investigating the murders and trying to find any connection between the murders of the 10 women found in Gilgo Beach out on Long Island and the Atlantic City 4. The only local person who drew investigators' attention was 35-year-old handyman Terry Olson of Halloway Township. As I mentioned before, he had spent a month at a room at the Golden Key Hotel, which was just a few feet from where the bodies were found. Now, the women whose bodies were found were more than just victims. They had families, parents, and friends who cared about them. Each of the women were not just victims of a serial killer, but they were victims of addiction. All four of the women were known to use hard drugs such as cocaine and heroin, as well as pills here and there. Now these drug choices is what led them to a life on the street, where a quick trick can equal a nighttime high. As the women fell deeper and deeper into addiction, the lives they once knew began to fall away. Some quicker than others, but at the end, all four of the women were facing a battle of addiction and poverty, which led to the choices that may have ultimately led to their eventual demise. So who were these women and what led them to the seedy Golden Key Motel? Barbara Brader, she was 42. Now her life began to fall apart slowly. She agreed to give up custody of her daughter about a Three and a half years before she was found. And she actually had gone to college and spent two years studying at Penn State. And it was only a year later that she was working as a prostitute on the streets of Atlantic City. Brader was twice arrested for soliciting a police officer in Atlantic City in the year before she was found dead. And she was also the second victim of the, uh, the murder. Now, she worked as a prostitute to support her crack habit, and she disappeared in October 2006, but it was not reported for several weeks. Then you have Molly Jean Diltz, who was 20, and she was last seen alive just a few days before her disappearance. And she also may have been working as a sex worker. Now, according to an extensive article in the Post-Gazette, Molly was an impulsive traveler, and she rarely did it in comfort. She spent time in a homeless shelter and a county-rented apartment. Basically, she was living in a decrepit neighborhood in Philadelphia until she finally moved from room to room and doorway to doorway in Atlantic City. And in the article, it says that she was a prostitute basically scoring nuggets of cocaine. Now, Molly did become close with another victim, Kim Raffo. According to a New NewJersey.com article, quote, In 2001, Raffo began a drug-fueled extramarital affair that friends and families say sparked the spiral that took her to the streets and the seedy hotels of Atlantic City. Now, in Atlantic City... Friends of Raffo occasionally held steady waitressing jobs, including a stint at Mama Mott's, a popular Italian restaurant, which was located between the casinos and the boardwalk. But basically, her drug habit worsened, and she eventually ended up on the streets, where she became well-known to fellow prostitutes, to police, to drug dealers. But Kim was a mother, a wife, and a daughter. And the former waitress, she left behind a husband and children for a life of drugs and prostitution in Atlantic City. Now, she was last seen the day before her body was discovered. Then there was Tracy Ann Roberts, who was 23, who grew up in Delaware, where she was a high school dropout. She landed in Atlantic City just about a year after high school. And the first signs of trouble were when she basically began experimenting with drinking and drugs when she was a teenager. Now, it was 16 that she dropped out of high school and then became a regular presence on the streets of Atlantic City. According to several other prostitutes, Life on the streets was really hard for Roberts, and the addiction had taken a toll on her looks. And addiction has always been a problem for her, and so she basically was selling sex to support her drug habit. And she was last seen in November 2006 when she was hit in the throat and hospitalized by a man who wished to be her pimp. Now, she did want out. Unfortunately, her way out was not what anyone would have expected. Rafa, who was 35, was strangled. Roberts, 23, was asphyxiated. The bodies of Dilt and, and Brader were too decomposed to determine a cause of death. For years, the Golden Key Motel became home to crack addicts, prostitutes, and anybody that was able to pay 15 or $20 a night. According to the former Deputy Mayor Jake Glassie, it had become an eyesore for the entire area. But there was a long history to the Strip of West Atlantic City, as most of these hotels and motels were built in the 1950s as a more affordable option to staying in downtown Atlantic City. The hotels were very popular for that very reason. Unfortunately, with shoddy ownership and a willingness to turn a blind eye, the Strip turned into the opposite of what the city planners had hoped for when they were first built. Now, this wasn't all the hotel's fault, as more luxurious and affordable options became available with the arrival of high-end casinos. The Atlantic City 4 murders became synonymous with Atlantic City and the area, and the strip of motels that lined the city. When people hear the name Atlantic City, that is exactly what they think of. According to Glassy, quote, we tried for years to get those motels out of the area, and now that it's finally happening, we can hope that we can move on. Glassy said that they had tried for years to get rid of the motels in the area, But the murders really accelerated the process of basically demolishing all the hotels and motels that had become you know havens for cracked ends and all that good stuff. In order for the city to get rid of this horror the township actually had to buy it in November 2013 for a shocking $465,000. I can only assume that that has to do with the land value more than anything with the hotel because nothing in that hotel would have been worth saving. Now the city hopes that the Golden Keys demolition will serve as an end of era that has haunted both residents as well as the township's image. When the NoTel motel was purchased and then later demolished, the township approved a plan that included 20 goals to improve West Atlantic City. They hoped to attract private development that would maximize tax revenues and help revitalize an area in desperate need of a cleanup. The city laid out an ambitious plan calling for zoning changes to prohibit certain operations which included motels auto repair shops, schools, and any sex-oriented businesses. The goals of the new zoning requirements were to open up the region to things such as cultural centers, hotels, bars, and taverns, and possibly multifamily homes. Now, a lot of you, including myself, thought there had to be a connection between the bodies in Atlantic City and those discovered on Gilgo Beach. But a task force of detectives spent months and years investigating the murders along with any possible connection to the other women at Long Island. And unfortunately, a connection was never able to be established, and all current reports state that they are not connected. So as the years have passed, investigators have continued to search for the serial killer they believe murdered the four women in Atlantic City. There has not been any significant news on the case in the last three or four years. On the 10th anniversary of the crime, the Atlantic City Prosecutor's Office would only say the case remains and will remain under active investigation until the case is solved and the perpetrator is identified, charged, and convicted in court. Since the killings and the killer has received the moniker the Eastbound Strangler, I have stated in previous episodes I don't like giving names to killers, but since this name is what pops up when you Google him or Google the Atlantic City 4, so I will give him 30 seconds of attention. And according to everyone's favorite online source, Wikipedia, the Eastbound Strangler, an unidentified serial killer, is believed to be responsible for the murders of four women near Atlantic City, New Jersey, in 2006. Okay, that's it on the Eastbound Strangler. So... An FBI report on serial murder defines it as the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender in separate events. Now, Nick and I discussed John Kelly and his company Stalk, who put together a criminal profile of the offender. Kelly's profile goes a little bit like this. This paranoid serial killer is also a shy guy who is lacking heterosexual social skills. This lack of such skills results in poor relationships with women, This lack of skills was also caused by severe and early childhood trauma. Since he was traumatized in childhood, some of his daily behavior would be considered extremely childlike and immature by others who know him. He may also have a strong religious conviction, which would propel his rage towards drug-fueled addicted prostitutes. He is also an extremely dangerous man who navigates through his life without feeling guilt. He does, however, feel fear. When the women's bodies were found in Egg Harbor, the news sent a wave of fear throughout his entire body. Presently, he is fearful of being arrested and facing life in prison, or worse, the death penalty. He is paranoid for good reason. This man is known and has been seen by others, perhaps while searching for a new disposal site for his next victim. With the fact that law enforcement is getting closer and following up with every tip and lead, he will surely be arrested. When dealing with dangerous men like this and trying to stop him from committing his final act of control, which would be suicide, and some serial killers have accomplished this, the authorities will probably arrest him while he sleeps to ensure a controlled and safe apprehension. The decline of Atlantic City as a tourist destination has played a significant role in the amount of women walking the streets these days. Now, with less casinos comes less prostitution— But it also means the city has less money to pursue those ambitious plans of making West Atlantic City a place to want to be and not a place you're scared to visit. According to The Guardian, quote, Donald Trump played a key role in the city's demise. At one point, he had three casinos in Atlantic City employing 8,000 people, which accounted for nearly a third of the area's gambling revenues. But they eventually became unsustainable thanks to a mixture of enormous debts, rival venues, weak local demand, and negative press, which suggested Trump's businesses were facilitating money laundering. Something later given credence when the Taj was fined $10 million for failing to report suspicious activities. Two of Trump's former casinos, the Castle and the Taj, now have new owners, but the famous Trump Plaza, which once hosted a WrestleMania as well as Mike Tyson fights, stands derelict and is set to be demolished. And that was according to the Guardian article. Trump was always a player in Atlantic City, but he bit off a little bit more than he could chew when he built the Taj Mahal in 1990. He built it using junk bonds, and within a year, he had to file for bankruptcy, and the Taj Mahal had a liquidation sale and an auction that sold every single item that was inside the building. Now, one of the reasons Atlantic City declined so quickly was the fact that Pennsylvania and Connecticut also built attractive casino alternatives. Far from the old Trump Hotels, the lot where the Golden Key Motel once stood. And it remains empty. Other hotels have been demolished, and they too are empty lots. If you just take a look on Google Street View, it is uh, pretty depressing and kind of a dystopian feel when you see what the Black Horse Pikeway looks like today. Now, the plan to reshape West Atlantic City has been delayed due to a myriad of problems, the worst being the recession in 2008, but the city still feels the effects as casinos have continued to close. Now, a title of an article from Business Insider in 2017 sums up the city's woes. Quote, Atlantic City is now a ghost town. Atlantic City was the first city to provide gambling outside of Nevada, so it provided those on the East Coast a place to vacation on the beach and be able to gamble. But in May 2012, Revel, a 57-story, $2.2 billion resort and casino, opened after a six-year battle, which had construction halts and union protests and basically all the red tape issues you can imagine. And then, just like the Taj, the casino had to file for bankruptcy twice within the first two years of operating, and then officially closed in September 2014. It has been purchased for $82 million in bankruptcy court. Think about the loss on that. And it still remains unopened. Five of the city's 12 casinos closed between 2013 and 2016. Now, these closings cost the city more than 10,000 jobs. In the mid-1990s, Atlantic City's casino industry employed a whopping 50,000 people. But in 2016, a study found that Atlantic City's casinos provided 20% fewer jobs than they did just two years prior in 2014. Hard Rock International looked to be a savior of the Trump Taj Mahal when it was purchased for, really, pennies on the dollar. But according to the National Oceanic and Atmosphere Agency... Atlantic City may not even be in existence by 2100 if we continue to see sea levels rise the way that we do. Atlantic City may go the way of the Borscht Belt sooner than later, but not all is lost yet. Because in April of 2000 and this year, construction began on the Atlantic City Gateway, which is a $210 million development that will include corporate, residential, restaurant, and entertainment buildings, as well as academic facilities for Stockton University. Now, this will be the first non-casino development in the city in 15 years. So as the city attempts to recreate itself, the murders of the Atlantic City 4 will loom over the city until the killer is caught. So it will take you, the listener, and the people on the streets to keep a vigilant eye on who and what is going on in your neighborhood.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: As you keep an eye on the streets and you are aware of what you're looking for, remember that Kim Raffo, Tracy Ann Roberts, Molly Dilts, and Barbara Braider never got a chance to say goodbye to their families. And if you know anything, it's important for you to share it. Because as much as you may not approve of the lifestyle that these women were living, it does not mean that these women were bad people. These women were people that were struggling with an addiction that had taken over their lives and had basically ruined their lives and eventually led to the end of their lives. So when you think about these people and the people who struggle with addiction— I would hope that you, the listener, would give a little bit of compassion to the people that do suffer from these types of illnesses because they do become illnesses. And when they become so out of control and so unable to maintain a normal life, then it's important for the people around them to step in and take control. And I know that sounds easier than it is because all these people have tried and have had people help them. But, again, it's up to the people who want to get help, who need to get help, or are looking for help, to know that help is still out there. So, I will also provide in the show notes a link to the addiction hotline, as well as the, you know, National Narcotics Anonymous website, all that good stuff, and basically know that this illness is just that. It's an illness, and... It needs to be treated and sometimes we don't always understand why people do what they do, but I can tell you what, drugs can make a big difference in in how people go about their daily lives. And I understand that not everybody's gonna get this and I understand that. I do, I really do. But it's also important it's like suicide, you know, not everybody's gonna understand suicide, but there is a suicide prevention hotline. Just like there is a hotline for addicted people that are having issues so I just hope that people will take advantage of the resources that they have out there and people who have been through these ups and downs know how to deal with these people so I just really hope that at the end of the day the people that are still living on the streets and still suffering through addiction will one day be able to acknowledge their problem and get the help that they need So again, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this independently produced podcast, you can support the show by clicking on the donate button on the right-hand side of com, or you can donate via the Venmo app with my username at billhuffman3. I will also provide a link in the show notes. Any amount is appreciated. And it really does help keep the podcast running. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That would be very helpful as well because that will keep the show in the spotlight and the cases that I cover in the spotlight as well. So if you'd like to stay up to date with the cases I cover or have covered and with the new shows that I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. And if you are new to the show, all of my previous episodes are available for free wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So anyone with information in regards to the Atlantic City 4, please contact the prosecutor's office at 609-909-7800 or visit acpo.org slash tips dot html. And you can also contact Crime Stoppers at 609-652-1234 or 1-800-658-8477. And you can also visit the Crime Stoppers website at CrimestoppersAtlantic.com. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, be safe. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy this independently produced podcast, you can support the show by clicking on the donate button on the right hand side of who killed Amy or you can donate via the Venmo app with my username at billhuffman3. I will also provide a link in the show notes. Any amount is appreciated and it really does help keep the podcast running. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite shows, that would be very helpful as well because that will keep the show in the spotlight and the cases that I cover in the spotlight as well. So if you'd like to stay up to date with the cases I cover or have covered and with the new shows that I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at billhuffman Three. And if you are new to the show, all of my previous episodes are available for free wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So anyone with information in regards to the Atlantic City 4, please contact the prosecutor's office at 609-909-7800 or visit acpo.org slash tips dot html. And... You can also contact Crime Stoppers at six zero nine six five two one two three four or one eight hundred six five eight eight four seven seven. And you can also visit the Crime Stoppers website at CrimeStoppersAtlantic com. Thank you again for listening and until next time be safe.